The first reading for this, the third Sunday of Easter, comes from the third chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. While the lame man who was now healed clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's, astounded. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. This we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Christ has risen from the dead. God the Father has crowned him with glory and honor. He has given him dominion over the works of his hands. He has put all things under his feet. The epistle reading comes from the first letter of St. John, the third chapter. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, comes to us according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. As the disciples were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said, Have you any 
taken here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Do you have an open mind? Now, depending on the circumstances, that's kind of a loaded question, isn't it? If a chef comes to you with a mystery dish and asks, do you have an open mind? It means you're about to be served something nasty. When your boss comes to you and says, do you have an open mind about your salary? It means you're either going to be asked to take a huge pay cut and pretend that it's okay, or he's asking you if you don't mind being paid in some illegal way. And when a teenager comes to you and asks, do you have an open mind about anything? It means you're in trouble. And yet, the world puts so much value on having an open mind. Or at least, it claims to. Our culture tells us over and over and over again that we have to have an open mind, that we need to be accepting, we need to be willing to change, promising peace and harmony and continual thoughts of wonderment and fancy. The world continually tells us to have an open mind. But what exactly does that mean, to have an open mind? Well, the sinful interpretation of an open mind is an anything-goes attitude, a libertine, there are no rules, no boundaries, no restrictions, nobody can tell anyone else what's right. To have an open mind in the eyes of the world is to never dare tell anyone that they might be wrong, that there are rules that should be followed. What do you mean sex before marriage is a sin? You need to have an open mind about these things, says the world. What do you mean homosexuality is wrong? If you had an open mind, you'd see that it's just fine. What do you mean church is important? You should have an open mind and realize that I can believe in God however I want. You think Jesus is the only way to heaven? You need to realize that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe something. Have an open mind about other faiths. Sexual sin, abortion, gossip, false religions, coveting, the definition of marriage, greed, euthanasia, the dumbing down of God's word, all these things and so many more the world calls us to be open-minded about. And many people are so open-minded, their brain has completely fallen out. There's no thought anymore. There's no reasoning. There's no thinking about consequences. It's just, I want to do it. I am going to do it. To have the open mind of the world, you must embrace 
all sin. You must be willing to do anything. You must be willing to accept anything, encourage anything. Anything that is but the truth. You know, I'm always amused by the so-called open-minded people who absolutely refuse to consider Christianity. That can't possibly be so, and you need to be more open-minded about it. Most open-minded people are actually very closed-minded. They're just pointed in a different direction. They're actually not willing to consider anything that goes against their libertine ideas. They're not willing to consider that they might actually be wrong. Open-mindedness just means don't say anything and let me be and agree with me or you're in trouble. Be open-minded just like us. Don't be a bigot like anyone who doesn't agree with us and is terribly wrong. The world's vision of open-minded is actually desperately closed. Usually, be open-minded just means that anyone with any kind of a conviction at all is supposed to roll over and shut up and be quiet and let the world do whatever it wants. And so not only does the world's version of open-mindedness lead to death and debauchery, the whole thing is ultimately a lie because it's not open at all. It's just wrong. But despite that, I'm asking you today to be open-minded Christians. Not in the worldly, sinful kind of way, but in the way that Jesus made his disciples open-minded. We hear in our gospel reading, Then Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. That's the kind of open-mindedness that we want. And that's the kind of open-mindedness that Jesus Christ gives to his church. Jesus gives us a truly open mind. He comes to us and he takes away the blinders of sin that tell us that everything that we want to do is good and right and normal. He comes and he gives us wisdom from above that this world's wisdom really can't even touch. He makes us realize that life is far more than just fulfilling our animalistic desires of the flesh and that he has come to give us so much more than this world can even pretend to promise. With the grace of Jesus Christ, as he opens our minds, we can truly understand the scriptures. Not to reinterpret it for our sinful desires the way that so many open-minded Christians do and say, well, that was written for people long ago who didn't know any better and we're smarter and we have Google so we can do whatever we want. No. We truly see what Scripture means. We can see how it all points us to the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus Christ. 
All of it. It's not just a little bit here and a little bit there that kind of talks about Jesus. Every word of Scripture focuses upon the Messiah, upon His sacrifice to take away our guilt, upon what He did to win us the eternal victory of heaven. When Jesus opens our minds, we can see how the Scriptures are even more true than what we assume is true in the world around us. He opens our minds so that we realize our senses very often fail us and trick us, that our human wisdom and understanding is grossly limited, and that His Word gives us answers that this world cannot come up with. With His gift of faith, we can grasp what happened on Easter. Because when we look at the facts, when we look at what happened, it makes no earthly sense whatsoever. A guy who was killed brutally and buried in the tomb is risen from the dead and that his resurrection gives us forgiveness of sins? Let's face it, logically, that doesn't make sense. And yet, by faith, we know that it not only makes sense, but it is the culmination of everything in history. It is the most important, most glorious event ever. Jesus died, and yet here he is, in the flesh, not a spirit, not a mass hallucination, but the crucified and risen Messiah in the flesh, standing before his disciples, eating with them, speaking with them, showing them his glorious wounds by which they are saved. With the open mind that God gives to us, we can cling to his promises and have real hope in this world of chaos and lawlessness and despair. Peter said to the crowds, Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out. And the worldly open mind says, Why would I have to repent? If I just pretend there's no sin, if I just stop feeling guilty, then nothing wrong can be happening, right? But that doesn't solve a thing. And so God opens our minds by the power of the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us by His Word and shows us that we are indeed sinners. That we have failed Him time and time again. That we have transgressed His holy and perfect law. But we are also forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. He opens our minds to acknowledge our sin, to repent of it, to lament it, and then to know that it is forgiven and removed from us as far as the east is from the west. That's what John talks about in his letter. He says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. The worldly open mind looks around us at this world and says, this is as good as it gets, so make the most of it by doing whatever you want, experiencing whatever fantasy and thrill you might come across. But God opens our minds to know that there is far, far more in store for us, and that the tawdry pleasures of this world are nothing at all compared to his eternal paradise. And again, John writes that everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as God is pure. God opens our minds to see that there is a way that seems right to man, but only leads to death. 
And then he opens our minds to see the path of righteousness that leads to life, that leads to God's holiness. And it makes us want to walk that path, even when the world hates us and mocks us for it, because that path spares us from so much heartache and so much pain. That path is pleasing to our Heavenly Father who has given us everything. That path keeps us from diving headfirst into the snares of the devil and covering our lives in sin and then saying, I wonder why I'm so miserable. Where the world's open mind leads to death alone, the open mind that Jesus Christ gives us leads to eternal life. And that's why we want to share that message with everyone. That's why we have been sent out of the church to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to all, even those who have such an open mind they refuse to hear it. That's why we warn people about the dangers of an earthly open mind. That sin will quickly overtake you and you will love sin more than you love Jesus. This is what Jesus has sent us to do. He says that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. And the promise of the Father is that He is with us always. We're not out there alone trying to lone ranger it in the world and try to convince people by our own wisdom and wit and skill. We are not relying on ourselves because if we do, we are lost. We have the strength and wisdom of God Himself. We have His holy word that opens the minds of even the most callous and hateful sinner. We have the power of the Holy Spirit that changes broken sinners like us into redeemed children of God, inheritors of his heavenly paradise. That's why we thank God that he has come to us in the flesh, that he's given himself for us, that he has worked faith in our hearts, and he has opened our minds to his glorious truth. By the truth of the cross, We can see through the open-minded lies of the world around us. By the blood of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven completely of every time we tried to rewrite God's word to make it fit our sinful desires. By the empty tomb of our Lord Jesus Christ, we know without a doubt that death is not the end for us either because we have been united with Jesus Christ in his death to sin and his resurrection to eternal life. And by the grace of God, through his holy word, which endures from generation to generation, he has opened our minds so that we would know these things and the fullness of his truth. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, pray that God would give you an open mind. Not a worldly open mind. In fact, we pray that God would protect us from that and would keep us in his word instead of in the lies and the wiles of the world around us. But pray that God would continually grant you faith in and knowledge of his holy word. That you would believe his truth even when surrounded by the lies and deceit of this world. Pray that God would guide you to use that open mind and share your faith actively with others. That their minds, too, would be opened and no longer be clouded and closed by our culture of sin. And as you pray these things, 
As you make your bold confession in a world that opposes you, stand firm and give thanks. Because Jesus has sent the promise of the Father upon us. He has strengthened us with his word and with his very presence. But more than that, Jesus has forgiven us. He has shed his holy and innocent blood to cleanse us of our sin. He has risen again to give you eternal life and has made you his own child. And by grace, even though we didn't deserve it one bit, God has opened his mind, our minds to his word, has given us faith to cling to his promises of life, and to know without a doubt that by the cross of Jesus Christ alone, by his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. Thanks be to God. Amen.